Hello, I'm Montana. And I'm Samantha. And you're listening to Reaper Tales. I just popped my arm right as I was saying that. I'm not going to be able to like cut that out. (laughs) So you're welcome, (laughs) listeners. Uh, And today I'm going to tell Samantha about the murder of Beth Ellen Benson. Um, Benson. Uh, But before we get started, what are we drinking? It's a pick your poison. I'm drinking iced coffee. Samantha. Um, yeah. So I mixed something. So we'll see how it goes. But I just wanted to do something kind of light. So I mixed some wine with some juice um, for an interesting sangria type thing. But uh, we'll, Cheers. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Cheers. <laughs> I couldn't do any more coffee. I already drank two cups today. It was like my third one. That's interesting. You would think um, the ADHD medication would be enough for me, but no, uh, I got to double down with coffee. (laughs) No, my heart can't take it. (laughs) Oh, goodness. All right. Um, I have a bunch of resources, but uh, I'm just going to highlight a few of them. Uh, I found this case on uncovered.com, which is like a great website. I think I sent that to you. Yeah, you sent it to me. I got it saved. Um. And a bunch of different, like, news articles, WNCT, WRAL, ABC 11, and um, the FBI's website. (laughs) So, yeah. Okay, then. Um, So, this is an interesting one. I mean, all of them are interesting. But they're... I found... It took a lot. brief break. Just because my husband tries to walk in, sent him a message, well, 10 minutes ago or so. Hey, by the way, about to start recording. Just wanted to let you know. Tries to open the door, which I have blocked because otherwise the cats come in. Are you recording? Oh, my God. Look at your phone. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Sorry, Paul. I don't mean to get on to you. (laughs) Anyway, sorry. No, no, no. I wasn't catching what you were saying because he distracted me. Um, ADHD, (laughs) ADD, whatever, at its finest. So um, banging doors in the background and dog barking also. But I'm going to try my best to focus. So uh, if you want to go back over that, sorry. uh, No, it's okay. It's okay. My husband's putting together a filing cabinet too in the other room. So this this episode is just going to be brought to you by banging Um, and not in the good way. A different Uh, yeah, no, I was, what I was saying is like, this took a lot of digging to find what I could. Um, there is information out there that's readily available, but to get any, anything that's not normally covered when talking about, um, Beth Ellen's murder, you're going to have to do a lot of digging. And I spent hours yesterday (laughs) going down rabbit holes and I can't I can't tell you a lot I can't tell you about a lot of the things I found because um it's uh is this the thing that you mentioned yesterday okay yeah yeah and I'll tell you after we record but anyway um let's talk about Beth Allen uh Beth Ellen Vincent was born February 16, 1977, to parents Bill and Penny Vinson. She was raised in Goldsboro, North Carolina, where she excelled in dancing. She had dreams of making it big in a big city. 
She wanted to go all the way to Broadway. Quote, I remember the little girl who was pretty much the light of our family and the excitement she showed when she entered dance competitions, her uncle Russell Vincent told ABC 11. Beth was aware of how difficult it would be um, as a small town teen to make it to New York and fulfill her dreams. So she decided to find a stepping stone to it. Her boyfriend at the time, Rick Heath, was attending North Carolina State University in Raleigh, which is where my husband went. Uh, and Beth moved to Raleigh to live with him in late July of 1994. Raleigh's kind of like a college town, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. It is a college town. Okay. City. Well, and it's also the capital of North Carolina. Um, well, I mean, I know that. Good grief. Um, <laughs> I do remember some of the things I learned in school. Uh, but... It, and by the way, college town is just a generic term, but I thought that that's kind of more or less what it's known as specifically oh, just yeah. kind of like college students, et cetera. And it, their campus is like massive. It's and it's spread out, you know, over the city. Uh, we, we lived there for what was it? Four years. Sounds about right. Yeah. So, and uh, we moved away at the perfect time because we were entering our late 20s and no longer wanted to live in a college city. Which is fair. <laughs> <laughs> and it really was. It was It was definitely a college city. Everywhere you went, it was like, you know, young adults everywhere. It's clubs and all of that stuff. It's not like... Hey, it was fun when I came to visit you. Not going to lie. Yeah, um, it was... But it was yeah, I went to, I'm five, what, five years older than you? So, I was out of that scene a little earlier than you <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit i okay, uh, we got home and i was tired and oh, yeah. not getting up anytime soon <laughs> but it, it was a good time while it lasted you know yeah. um anyway kept so, me young i didn't have children to do that <laughs> <laughs> yet yeah. uh, <laughs> raleigh was a bigger city than goldsboro in goldsboro uh we actually passed through it um on our way to visit my husband's family each time. And it is, I was going to ask you, where is that? It's, it's towards the east. It's towards the coast. Okay. Um, but it's not, it's like an hour and a half outside of, uh, maybe closer to, depending on whatever outside of Raleigh. So, okay. um, and it's tiny, it's pretty small. So definitely no, not a, a prime place for somebody who wants to hit it big to stay. Yeah. No, I wouldn't. Yeah. You're not, not going to do much there. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, so it was a bigger city. Uh, and she thought like it would be a good way for her to kind of like find a place to dance and she could save up money so that she could move to New York. Uh, the problem with that is there's not a lot of places that need dancers unless you're talking about like exotic dancers. Um, I don't, is that the correct term? Uh, that or just still a, a sex worker. Cause technically it's in that trade. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, cause you don't have to actually fulfill that role. Um, but it's in the trade. So okay. I think it's still considered a sex worker, Okay, but yeah, exotic dancer is kind of what I think we grew up hearing as a, less derogatory term um and i think a lot of of them probably still are, are you know still use that term but i think most of what i hear is like 
dancer, sex worker, dancer. dancer, Yeah. Okay. Uh, Well, I just want to make sure, like, I'm not saying anything that's not that that could be. um, We're definitely not frowning on the work that you do um, at all, regardless of what kind of work it is. (laughs) It's a exotic dancer. It's a talent. Like. Power to you, I couldn't, I couldn't even begin, but impressive. I watched this video yesterday. Um, There's um, a reason why there's a whole workout that you can do involving that. Because it's it's a workout. It's a lot of core work. And I watched this video yesterday of this woman. She, I guess they were out like partying or whatever, and they were on the street. And she had done like a, um, a pole maneuver where she had like, put her arms behind her head, grabbed the pole and like planked out her entire body. You know, you know how yeah, I think like, it's called the Superman or something. Yeah. Well, she's on her back, but like, you know how like, okay. Yeah. They'll get on the pole and they'll kind of like move down with their body all the mm-hmm. way out. Well, some idiot dudes were like, Oh my God, that's so simple. I can do that. And this dude like tried to get on it and he just immediately like fell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. And I've <laughs> seen where there's some moves that they've, tried to do and you know it's it doesn't take much for it to go wrong and she was doing a move where she was sliding down the pole and catching herself and she didn't catch herself right quite in time and so she just barely got her face on the floor and I was like oh honey ouch but I know she's probably done that before doing that move because I mean that's how you learn right you got to learn when to stop it at just the right time I can't I'm so, it, I'm impressed. That's all I can say. I'm I'm always impressed with it. So it's it's truly an art form, but um, it's not Beth, it's not respected as much as it should be. Let's put it that way. No, it's not. Um, Beth Allen didn't. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent. So I get conflicting stories or information. First, the first conflicting thing was most of the articles and the information that I found on Beth Allen said that she was born and raised in Goldsboro. I found one article that said that she was born and raised in Greensboro, which is a very different area. (laughs) Yeah. It's in a, um, a completely different kind of city too. (laughs) Yeah. And it's on the opposite side of the state. I think I want to say, I feel like that one was a mistake. Yeah, I think it was just a typo. It's definitely Goldsboro from what I could see. And the other thing, too, is like some some places said she did work as an exotic dancer. But for the most part, um, when she moved to Raleigh, uh, there was an escort service that offered Beth Ellen a job. And she needed it pretty badly, not only to save up money for New York, but she was also helping pay rent on Heath. Uh, he, Rick Heath's apartment. So she got a job with an escort service. Um, and on the morning of August 16th, 1994, just a month after she moved to Raleigh, she answered her phone and it was a job offer from the escort service she worked with. She left her apartment at 2.30 in the morning to meet with her client. Three hours later, a used car salesman was on his way to work around 5.30 a.m. And just like a side note, who on earth is buying a car before 9 a.m.? Sir, why do you have Nobody. to be? I mean, I, devil's <laughs> advocate, maybe opening the car lot and, and getting all the stuff together. Who knows? Maybe. Like, I just found that way. I was like, there's an, I'm not even thinking about waking up at 5.30 in the morning, so... Well, 
I wish I could say the same, but my cats are usually waking me up around five. So don't have a choice to sleep in much. Anyways, he got to the lot. He noticed a white 1990 Mazda was parked haphazardly, blocking the entrance to the lot. Being the smart person that he is, he called the police to report the car. Yep. When the police arrived, they noticed the windows of the Mazda were rolled down and the car's radio was still playing. Oh, and the car was on. It was just idling, blocking the way into the lot. Okay. A single shoe that belonged to Beth Ellen was found outside of the car near the driver's door, but there was no one around the vehicle. It was just abandoned. And this is like, this is a, the car lot is on a major road in Raleigh, in downtown Raleigh. So it's just a weird place to abandon a car. Yeah. Um, and I was going to say, you would think that there would be cameras, but this was back in the 90s. So even if they had them, they probably weren't working. Yeah, no. And this next part I only found this next part in one article, but I do trust the information in that article. And look, I, there were a ton of things that I read that gave the same information and left this part out. Um, but I think it's important to put in. And again, I do trust what it says. I have no reason not to believe it. Anyway. It wasn't long after the police started looking at the car that Rick drives up, her boyfriend. He tells the police that he was out looking for Beth Ellen because she had been gone all night and hadn't returned home. And for me, when I first read that, it felt iffy. You know, he rolls up right I as the police question. Is he, I'm assuming he's aware of what she's doing. Yes, he's aware. Okay, So he would, in theory, expect her to come back home after... Yeah. doing her job so if he's aware of what she's doing and she did not come home that would automatically raise some suspicions just in general because everybody knows how dangerous that yeah. work can be and so I, mean, I just devil's advocate on either side yeah it does sound iffy but also if they were even a little bit close and he knows what she's doing that would immediately raise red flags if you don't come home yeah, and that's basically what I wrote up in my notes was, you know, it sounded weird at first, but then, like, he would have known the motel she went to. So, in theory, he would pass her abandoned car, see it, and be like, oh, my God, what, you know, what's going on? And this is, like, a time before cell phones, so he wouldn't have been able to contact her, you know, see if she's okay. It would make sense, especially if you have a partner who is, cares for you. So, do with that information what you will. Mm, but I didn't want to leave it out. So, that's... I think I, I almost would say it would be more suspicious if he didn't at least have be inserted in this story at this point in some way, shape, or form. Because at this point, he should know she's not there. Even if he didn't stay up all night, it's early, but it's not that early. Like he would be up by this point and would have noticed she hadn't come home. Yeah. Yeah. So I either agree. way, that kind of makes sense to me. And it would make sense that his first thought would be to go to the place that he knew that she was going to go to. Yeah, truly. Um, but that's basically it for the car. Um, 
they didn't find anything else, especially not Beth, Beth Allen. That continues to be the case until a week later on August 23rd, 1994. A local businessman was looking around the building of his workplace after employees complained about a strange smell outside of the building. It was at this time, around noon, that he discovered Beth Ellen's remains hidden in a small ditch and lying underneath pieces of flattened cardboard. Her body was found about a half mile from where her car was abandoned between two warehouses. So, we do know that what her cause of death is and it is readily available to anyone on the internet but while i was looking up the information for this case and i had to dig dig for some of this information i found a book and i know that's not like that exciting um because there are like tons of true crime books written on cases all the time but this book wasn't about beth ellen's murder I, I'm going to sound as I told you yesterday, I felt like that the meme from uh, It's Always Sunny where the guy has like mm-hmm. the, the pen. I felt like this while looking up all this information. Uh, the book is called uh, Deadly Dose, The Untold Story of a Homicide Investigator's Crusade for Truth and Justice. It was written by Amanda Lamb. Uh, and if you can't tell, it's about a homicide investigator. Uh, who is not Amanda Lamb, but a man named Chris Morgan who doesn't give up when investigating the death of a pediatric AIDS researcher. What it, what does this have to do with Beth Ellen? Well, I'm assuming it, you're going to get to it, so I'm giving you an opportunity. Okay. <laughs> I'm I'm taking a long detour to get to the point. Well, in a, por- in a portion of his book, of the book, he talks about uh, sealed evidence and he mentions Beth Ellen's case. Pretty much, they wanted to have um, the details of the pediatric AIDS researcher. His name was Eric. They wanted to have the details of his autopsy sealed. And he goes on to say that he had experience with this same situation when handling the Beth Ellen case because he was an investigator on it. Apparently, Beth Ellen's autopsy details had been sealed. Chris does point out that he didn't believe it needed to be sealed in a lot of cases because it can lead the family to believe detectives weren't really doing their jobs. But I found it interesting the way the information actually got out to the public. When Beth Allen's body was sent to the funeral home in Goldsboro after the autopsy, a small, tight-knit community, the truth came out. Because it was obvious Beth Ellen had been stabbed multiple times. So oh, yeah, that would be hard to hide. Yeah. Um, I just thought that that they, it was interesting that, you know, the courts sealed the details of that autopsy. And the second it gets to this small town funeral home. I mean, they, what did they think was going to happen? Come on. I now. know. I know. Um, and I haven't read like the entire book on uh, Chris Morgan, but he does, he does seem like he really cared about the Beth Ellen case. And, um, you know, the cases that he worked. So I just thought that that was an interesting tidbit that I was able to find. Uh, and that actually wasn't the only book that I found about Beth Ellen's case, but the other one, I'm simply mentioning it because it is out there. Um, it was self-published and uh, just 
if you really need to know, uh, you can go on Google and you or you can look at Amazon and search Beth Ellen's name uh, and you'll probably find it. But uh, that's all I'm going to say on that. Ugh. Anyway, so back to the investigation. According to police, someone physically forced her from her vehicle, drove her a little more than half a mile to a secluded wooded spot off of Wicker Drive, stabbed her more than 15 times, covered her with cardboard, and left her to die. Although the medical examiner could not say whether she was or was not sexually assaulted, police did not believe she was. Additionally, she wasn't carrying any... How can any- you not say, like, there's obviously certain things that you look for? How can you, you got- not definitively say no or yes? You've got to look at the time. Okay, fair and, enough. Uh, and and in the, I forget about that sometimes when we go over these cases. Yeah, it's it's the whole time and you know her career. Yeah, and I briefly um, forgot about that part too. Yeah, her job and all that. So they would anyway. Um, the police believe that she wasn't, so they're going off of that premise. Um, I'm not a medical examiner. I can't say. Don't know. Uh, Additionally, she wasn't carrying anything of real value, which ruled out robbery. Furthermore, had the motive been robbery, why would would the person who took her have bothered abducting the girl, driving her to a remote location, and killing her when they could have simply grabbed her purse and forced her to remove her jewelry? Nevertheless... Neither her purse nor her rings were ever found. I'm sure you're wondering, like, why not talk to the client Beth Ellen was supposed to meet, right? Well, it took the police several weeks to figure out that she never made it to the innkeeper motel where she was supposed to meet this person. They did question him, but it was difficult to figure out if he had anything to do with her murder because he couldn't recall if he had met Beth Ellen that morning or not couldn't recall well there's a good reason because he had been in the midst of a 24-hour bender of alcohol drugs and ordering escorts i can tell you right now i've been an uber driver and i can attest there are plenty of people that i have picked up i had picked up and dropped off that had obviously been drinking for a while and we're not aware of their surroundings whatsoever. Yes. <laughs> so that's fair. I can I can kind of understand that in, in all fairness. He he just couldn't remember if one of the He's like, dude, I was blackout by that point. Her. I have no idea what was going on. I have a bill on my credit card that's for $3,000 and I don't even know what I did. I mean, it sounds like a really good time, my man, my guy. But I guess. <laughs> Jeez. Maybe. Maybe take a break. I can't. Uh, oh, that's that's a young that's a young man's game. I can't do that. I know. Uh, the police, however, decided that she wasn't one of the escorts that he ended up actually seeing, since her car and her remains had been found between Rick Heath's apartment and the motel itself. So they believed like she never arrived to her destination. Okay, so now here's my next question. Okay, it's a, it's the '90s. Okay, it's her job. Okay, now you've established she never even went there. So how can you not tell if she was or was not sexually assaulted? 
Because yeah. that's been eliminated at this point. And honestly, if he's that inebriated, he probably wouldn't have been able to perform anyway. So. Uh, your guess is as good Inquiring as minds want to know, but okay. We would like to know. Uh, email us at ReboGals. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> okay. So the obvious next step is the boyfriend who was and remains the prime suspect in this case. One of the major reasons people believe he had something to do with it is because he failed a polygraph test that was administered by the FBI. Some investigators felt Heath's emotions were the cause of this failure. Quote, yes, he failed the polygraph, confirmed retired Raleigh police investigator John Lynch. The emotions he was going through didn't make him a good subject for a polygraph. However, Rozzy, the FBI agent who administered the test, insisted stress is a factor when, administ- when administering a polygraph examination. The lead investigator on the case wanted Heath arrested, but the district attorney felt there wasn't sufficient evidence to do so. No fucking shit. Duh. No, you can't base that just off the polygraph. Right. To break it to you. And look, I'm not going to sit here and say I think Rick had something to do with it. I don't know. Do I hold stock in the polygraph? Absolutely not. I don't think they're helpful ever. If you stuck me on one right now or at any point, I would it would say I'm lying because I have anxiety. So it's it. it I'd be it, anxious just being in the freaking police station in the first place. Forget truly. being put under a test like that where I'm. I know every single answer that I give is being second guessed just based on my heart rate, which is high, by the way, all on its own. So like no. Truly. Yes. There's a reason Um, why it's not even admissible anymore. 100%. Now, uh, it is subjective and can be and has been harmful when used on some cases. It has. Um, I just don't believe it is a good tool to be used when figuring out a suspect in a murder investigation. Those are my thoughts. I also don't believe that there is any evidence from what I've gathered at this point that to say that Rick had anything to do with it. You would think you would think with the manner in which Beth Ellen was killed that there would be r- wounds like on Rick's hands unless they haven't released that information publicly. Um, what some people who are listening may not know is when someone stabs someone else, especially when it's more than 15 times, there's going to be slip wounds. There's going to be a lot of blood, and blood equals slippery hands. Yeah. Um, And unless you have a a knife or a weapon that has, like, a guard to help from your hand slipping, your hand's going to slip down that blade, and it's going to be cut. And I get that her body wasn't found until a week after the car, but Rick rolled up on the police himself just hours after she left. Uh, you would think that if he had injuries on his hands, there's a suspicious woman missing, that the police would have seen those injuries and immediately questioned him about them. But I didn't see any information on on that at all. So, and I know that's like flimsy, you know, reasoning or whatever. But again, it just, to me, it doesn't make sense to continue to focus on Rick. So I know you said that there were detail there that some of the details of how she died were released, but were the stab wounds in her back, on her front, both? Did it did it ever 
say anything about that much detail? Just fit more than 15. Just more than 15. Every, every single thing that I found on it just said more than 15. I don't think they officially released the autopsy details. I think it was just. So that was just word of mouth got around of yes what it was. Okay. Correct. Because, I mean, that does make a big difference. If it was, you know, it obviously matters because of how she was attacked. But you've got to think if she was forced from her vehicle that the person who forced her from her vehicle would have some kind of wounds on them from her trying to defend herself and get away, regardless of who it was. Because she lost a shoe, too. Mm -hmm. So there was obviously some kind of a struggle. So that's the other thing. Not only would you have the slippage wounds, but you'd also have the defensive wounds where somebody would have scratched and bit and tried to get away. Yeah. And it's really weird to me because when I think about it, like you would think she's on a major road, like in downtown. She, for some reason, pulled over. She had to have pulled over. I mean, my automatic assumption was somebody was behind her, like, flashing their lights or making – they gave some kind of indication to get her to pull over. That's interesting that you say that because I found – and I didn't put it in my notes and I wasn't going to talk about it, but I will. Um, I found some interesting um, correlations that people on Web Sleuths found when talking about this case. And if you don't know what Web Sleuths is – Get with the times. Yeah, right. You're listening to a true crime <laughs> podcast. You don't know that? Come on now. Um, and, you know, take anything that you find on Web Sleuths with a grain of salt. But they made a, an interesting correlation with this. And they said that, you know, during this time in the 90s, there was kind of like a, a rash of fake police pullovers. So people would get the, you know, the lights put into their cars and they would pull over unsuspecting women attack them and you know do what they do um which is why now unfortunately that's one of those things that they tell you that you have to in order to be safe you have to go into a well-lit populated area if somebody threatens to pull you over and there's supposed to be a number i can never remember there's supposed to be a number you can call or you can call the local police agency and let them know somebody's trying to pull me over i'm in an, in a secluded area i don't feel comfortable com- pulling over so i'm going to x place so that way they know you're not avoiding arrest you are not putting yourself in a potentially harmful situation they can also check to make sure there's somebody in that area um so that's why and we have that now because unfortunately people did this yeah exactly and uh, uh, they'll they'll for, so sure. for your information, if there's any ladies out there that haven't heard that, if somebody does try to pull you over in a secluded area, just call the local police agency, let them know what's going on, and do not pull over. Go into a well lit populated area so that you feel more safe. Yeah. And they and you will not be persecuted for that. Or you shouldn't. That, you shouldn't be. That's why you call them ahead of time. They have no legal right to persecute you in any way if you let them know that that's what's going on because you have to be able to ensure your own safety yeah well i've seen where that didn't work out very well but that was a hopefully a one-time off thing anyway so they they made a correlation between you know her pulling over and like this fake police pullover thing um and I just thought. I feel like that would be that would make sense too because 
even with it being a populated, like, well, a, a busy road, that would be probably one of the few places that would be kind of safe to pull off of the road for another car to be behind you too. Cause it would be a, a pretty wide drive for you to, yeah. be able to pull off. And you would think like when you, when you originally hear about how her car is found, you're like, Oh, it's blocking, you know, a business. But well, when she obviously get, wasn't planning on staying there. Yeah. When you get pulled over, you pull when a police officer is behind you flashing their lights, you're going to find any area that you can to pull over. Also you panic and you're going to yeah. pull over as soon as possible. Typically. <sighs> Just because it's so scary. It's a scary situation. Even if you didn't do anything wrong, it's scary. Yeah, it is. Truly, it is. So Because we've been taught to, f- to fear them. And, and in some cases, that's a good thing. It's valid. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. It, not, nothing like that is official. But probably. also, you, I think at that time, too, you had the whole gang initiation things where um, you'd have cars going past and they'd flash their lights at you and that sort of thing so there was a lot of that kind of thing going on too where they would try to either force you off the road or be really aggressive behind you to get you to pull off yeah and then they would pull behind you and attack you so there was definitely a lot of that i feel like going on around that time just don't just different versions just don't pull over for people no (laughs) no i'm saying uh because this this same thing happened in the uh nancy morgan case too Uh, from the confession that we got from that, you know, uh, was his face was being really aggressive behind her and she pulled over. Just don't, don't do it. Uh, especially in the middle of the night. Um, you're safer in your car moving away from said person. Yeah. But we don't know that that was the case in this, in this situation. Um, it just kind of, it kind of adds up to me. Uh, this is me speculating from web sleuths, uh, which I said, don't do. So, I don't even listen to my own advice. <laughs> I mean, you can speculate, but maybe don't insert yourself in the investigation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, I mean, when you have unsolved cases like what you do, I don't feel like there's anything wrong with you speculating or saying, hmm, this is what I think could have happened because it's literally an opinion. Yeah. Um. So we're not saying that's what happened. We're not accusing anybody of anything. We're just saying this potentially could have happened because it could have, and there's no way of knowing it didn't. Yeah. No, 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 never. I would, I would never accuse anybody myself. I would simply just quote an article that accuses somebody. (laughs) Like Uh, you did in the last one. (laughs) (laughs) Don't say me. Anyways. So a month after her body was found in October, an anonymous letter was sent to the Raleigh newspaper. It was a tip about Beth Ellen's case. The letter said that she had been working for some unsavory people and that she had tried to blackmail them. According to the letter, she had been making between $300 and $500 per job without any sex work. The work, however, did include, quote, sadomasochistic acts. The letter added that Beth Ellen was tired of being in pain from her job. None of this information has been confirmed, though. So it could literally just be a pain in the ass, just riding in just to cause problems. Yeah. And, like, I'm not going to say that this is an unlikely scenario. Not exactly. But if this were the case, wouldn't someone in her life have seen some form of evidence that she was being harmed? I mean, you'd think so. And especially if the boyfriend's been suspect number one you'd think he would have mentioned it before now right 
and uh, hey, her job was causing these kinds of issues, and and I tried to get her to get out, but she refused to. So maybe look into that. Yeah, you would think. I also don't like when like an anonymous when anonymous information is given on a case that just seems almost made up. Like it's possible these situations do happen. They do, and I'm not saying that they don't. It just in something irks me about this, and I think it's because. I feel like it's somebody making something up and they're trying to insert themselves in a situation that's already bad. They're inserting themselves into an investigation, maybe because they're the ones that did something. Hmm. Maybe, maybe. I'm Um, not saying they are. I'm just saying like, we've had plenty of situations come up in, in episodes and cases that I've heard of in different podcasts where that frequently happens from people who don't get caught. They insert themselves in the investigation, even if it's, bragging about something that they know i mean there's no telling there's no telling uh so i'm just and also i feel like and and maybe because none the results of the autopsy weren't released but in theory if that was something that she was doing there would be evidence in the autopsy that would reflect that information as well because continuous injuries of any kind are going to be evident on our bodies yeah so she would have healing bruises or something like that outside of the cause of death um, that they would be able to identify in that situation. Obviously, we wouldn't know that because they haven't released it. But I'm just saying that would be fairly easy to substantiate. Yeah, through the I autopsy. Agree. Yeah, true. Very true. I'm just skeptical of the whole situation. And you also have to like you have to think take into account like the time frame that we're looking at too. It was the 90s and we were still riding the wave of the satanic panic movement, which we don't have like time to truly get into that. It was just I don't a know lot of ever things. Will. No, a lot of things during this time were chopped up to it. And when you describe something as sadomasochistic, it leads me to believe that you're leaning into that whole satanic panic hype that was going on full force during this time. Well, and what people did in their bedrooms was not quite as respected to the level that it even is today, which is still not to the level it should be. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, stuff like that, if that happened, it was kept a secret. Um, and there were a lot of cases because it was kept secret that it was not done safely because it was a secret. So there were a lot of those situations I think that popped up. And I, I do feel like this is just, I, I don't know. I, I feel like this, one anonymous posting out of out of the whole thing and it's never been brought up outside of that i feel like that's just somebody writing in just to say something truly and look i'll tell you what i do in the bedroom we have tea parties every night so obviously isn't that what you're supposed to do as an adult anyway pretty much from here the case goes cold almost two years go by before anything else comes to light what does isn't from like new evidence, but sealed information. On May 9th, 1996, investigators released more information regarding items belonging to Beth Ellen that remained missing and urged the public for their assistance. Specifically, three of Beth Ellen's rings were missing and are described as a sterling, sterling silver Gorham brand Chantilly pattern 1970s spoon ring, which was a size six. A I want to remember those. Those were so popular at that time, and I even had one. I love yep. them. I still uh, love them. I haven't seen one of those in a while. 
I think I have one somewhere. Um, where did I even get that? There's no telling. I used to go like get antique jewelry from thrift stores all the time. That was like my niche when I was in my early twenties. I I was insufferable. That's what I'm saying. Um, True. Still am. True. <laughs> of, <laughs> thanks I love for, you. <laughs> thanks for agreeing with me, you stupid bitch. Uh, a fourteen Speaking carat of being insufferable. <laughs> A 14-karat gold ring with two amethyst stones and a garnet stone in the center, also size 6. Finally, police announced that Beth Ellen was missing a faux silver mood ring, size 6, in her purse, which was described as a cloth pull-string shoulder bag purse that was burgundy, burnt orange, and brown with the figure of a cowboy woven into the side, which sounds fucking rad. That's very detailed. <laughs> it just sounds amazing. It had a zipper on the top with a leather strap and was six inches wide and 4.5 inches tall. Investigators believe that the rings may have been given to someone after Beth Ellen's murder sometime after August 1994. The Federal Bureau of Investigation included Beth Ellen's case as their featured case in their October 2006 Law Enforcement Bulletin to help bring more awareness to her case. This year will be the 29th year since Beth Ellen was killed on August 16, 1994, and investigators continued searching for her killer. Beth Ellen's mother tragically passed away in 2017 without any answers. There is a $12,000 reward for any information leading to an arrest and conviction of the individuals responsible for Beth Ellen's brutal murder. If you have any information, please contact Raleigh Crime Stoppers at 919-834-HELP or Raleigh Police Department Major Crimes Unit at 919-890-3555. You can also send an anonymous tip through the Federal Bureau of Investigation's online tip form, which will be linked in the show notes. But basically, that's where it's at. There have been a couple of, like, recent you know, articles on Beth Ellen's case, but um, nothing new. It's just, you know, it's the, you know, 29th. Revisiting the case. Yeah, or anniversary or whatever about the case. But there's no new information, nothing like that. Um, so that's it. Thoughts? Prayers? Oh, well, you know, I don't like these cases because I don't like not having answers. But, you know, I, I appreciate you bringing them to me anyway. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, it just, I hate these because it, it just sucks because you have these people that are just living their friggin' lives and somebody just comes along and ruins it and it just, it kills me every time. Um, I, I mean, I, I really, like I said, I feel like somebody did something to get her to pull over and they pulled out, pulled in behind her and got her out of her car and, and did what they did. I feel almost suspicious that it was somebody that this guy knew that knew he was inebriated and maybe used his account or used him to call her and knew she was on the way and intercepted her and knew what they were doing and knew that she was an escort and knew that the search wouldn't be as, thorough as it might be otherwise 
Um, but that's all conjecture on my part. But I mean, that seems like that makes sense. I mean, it's a weird time of the day for this to happen or morning, ridiculously early time in the morning for this to happen. Somebody else would have to be on the road. They would have to know it was a female. They would have to know that they could get her to pull over. They would have to know she was alone. Like, and then it just happened that all of this happened so quickly. And then a half mile up the road, they disposed of the body. Like, it just seems way too coincidental. It seems more like this might have been planned, not necessarily for her particular in particular, but for somebody in her position. Yeah, it wasn't like a crime of opportunity. Somebody had right. a plan, even if it wasn't like directly targeting her. Exactly. So, I mean, that's my thoughts. I, I feel that's how I feel like this went down. And I think the taking the rings and the purse was just, that's what people do when they, I mean, people that are caught have confessed to it enough. Like they do that to kind of throw off the track. Oh, it was robbery. No, it's not robbery. You don't kill people. If your goal is robbery, you don't kill people. That's not how it works. Yeah. Somewhere in you, that was the goal was to kill somebody and you stole the shit as an afterthought to make it seem like there was something else going on. I think it, I, I think it's just too much to say that some very cheap rings, honestly, even with them being sterling silver and gold, the jewels are semi-precious. They were probably not very big. So you're talking maybe 50 bucks between yeah. the two between the two rings. And the other one probably wasn't worth $5 because it was a fake mood ring. Yeah. And then, you know, she didn't have money because she was doing this to get money to pay rent. So I just don't believe the robbery thing whatsoever. I think that there was a goal here. This was intentional. For somebody in her position, not necessarily her. Yeah. And she just happened to be the unfortunate person that answered the call. I agree. Um, to an extent, for the most part. And you would think like if it was her boyfriend. And I don't think it's her, I don't think it was her boyfriend. I don't I truly don't think it was her boyfriend. Um, but you would think Especially like, if they, they said he was suspect number one and they still basically were for a very long time. I feel like they would have found something on him and, and pulled him into court. Oh, he still is. He's still point. their prime su- suspect. I'm just uh, I'm just saying they would have found something by now that would have somehow justified them getting him into court because I've heard people going to court for much less. So, yeah, <laughs> fair. Uh, <laughs> I, just I, I just can't get past like if, if he had showed up within and especially if it was him who had attacked her and he showed up you know, just right after they found her car. Cause this is a small window of time. You know, she goes early in the morning to meet a client on her way there. Something happens within two hours. Rick Heath is in front of the police officers saying he can't find Beth Ellen. If he had done that, not only would he have wounds on him, you would think that they would still be bleeding. Like well, that's but also that's not very from. much time for the act going back home, washing up, cleaning up, then going and pretending like that's a lot. Not that it's not possible, but it's not probable. Yeah, I agree. So that's Beth Ellen. Um, 
That's all I got. That's well, all I can say. I right mean, uh, good job on the case. There's a lot of information and very, a lot of suspicious activity. Um, but as always, I hate not having answers. So thank you for that. Yeah, um, oh, hopefully will. somebody can, if anybody knows anything and they can provide some insight to somebody, this will help. So yeah, hopefully I will say that in more like recent, um, news articles where the investigative guy or whatever has spoken with the media, he has said that he believes the case is solvable and that they have a lot of evidence. Again, again, this one again, like, okay. If you have the evidence, then let's do that. Let's do that. Let's Let's, let's go ahead and solve it. So, um, he just believes that somebody out there has to come forward and give them that little bit of information. This is like me paraphrasing because I don't remember exactly what it said. It just, it pissed me off. So I didn't put it in my notes, which <laughs> sorry. About that. Anyway. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah. I do it too. Anyways. Uh, great job me. Great job you. We have um, like four more recordings we got to do now. So Yeah. Fun. Um, so you can find us on our social medias on Facebook and Instagram at Reaper Tales Podcast. What about email? Uh, I told you guys earlier, email us at reapergals at reapertales.com to let us know more information about this case. Very fair. Um, also, like, rate, review, subscribe, all of the lovely things that you beautiful listeners, some of you have already done, which we greatly appreciate. But if you haven't, take a minute and just do that for us because it helps us get found by other people that might be like-minded and might actually enjoy listening to our rambling. (laughs) I don't understand, but I appreciate. Uh, Same. I don't understand. Anyways, (laughs) until next time, love you, mean it, bye. The Reaper will come.